Welcome to the Health and Healing from the Inside Out podcast with Stephanie A. Wynn, an online health and wellness podcast where I, your host, will provide weekly wellness tips about inflammatory bowel disease, specifically Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. The Health and Healing from the Inside Out podcast is a mixture of special guest interviews from healthcare professionals, IBD survivors, Crohn's survivors, ulcerative colitis survivors, and community thought leaders. Be sure to select the subscribe button and let's start the health and healing process from the inside out. We are back. We are back for another episode of the Health and Healing from the Inside Out podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie A. Wynn. And today, guys, like, listen, we have some amazing guests on the podcast today. I mean, I couldn't have asked for no one better to do this episode on Dr. Asim. And I have Amanda Rivera from Moffitt Cancer Center. So we are really, really super excited about this opportunity. So we're going to get right into this episode. And you know, I like to start with the renewing of your mind. In order for you to start the process of understanding your diagnosis or just the healing process, it starts with your mind. And in order to move forward, you have to have an open mindset to move forward. So we're going to have an open mindset on the health and healing from the Inside Out podcast. And I'm going to introduce our guests. We have Amanda Rivera. Amanda, welcome to the show. And Dr. Asim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. So before we get into the questions, I first let me say thank you for you and Dr. Asim for taking the time. You all have such an amazing program and this couldn't have came at a better time. Um, the train the trainer program. I think it's um, it's so important with what we're doing out here in the community to understand like health equity, um, what it is, um, how we can implement this. And um, so many organizations need to hear about your program and how we can reach um, the mass amount of people. Um, I think that it's, it's such an amazing program and you all give such great information and just along with the language, when we talk about, you know, the socioeconomic uh, determinants of, you know, individuals, like what is it that that's happening in their culture that we can change as far as them understanding, number one, their diagnosis, number two, you know, maybe having an understanding with the doctor. So we're going to jump right into it. But before we do, Amanda, tell the audience a little bit about what you do. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, like Stephanie said, my name is Amanda Rivera. I am the project coordinator for the Health Equity Train the Trainer program, which is a consortium initiative funded by the Florida Blue Foundation and um, done by Moffitt, Orlando Health, and United Way of Broward County. And we just train community members and team members of healthcare organizations and community organizations um, that have an impact on patient experience and patient outcomes to really understand social determinants of health, health disparities, and what you can actually do in the community to advance health equity. Dr. Asim. Yeah, thanks, Stephanie, for having us. Uh, so my first name is Asim, and please call me that. Uh, Ronnie's the last name, and um, I'm the health equity clinician educator. I get to work with Amanda, and the two of us... Um, you know, do these launch and landing days for 
uh, our different cohorts. Uh, by background, I'm an infectious disease physician and I've been in public health and healthcare for about 30 years. So uh, thank you for having us. So our very first question is, how can we address the underlying factors that contribute to health disparities and promote health equity in marginalized communities? That's a really good question. And so I kind of want to start by laying down some definitions. That way we have a shared understanding. Um, So let's start with defining health equity per the CDC. So health equity is the state in which everyone has a fair and just opportunity to attain their highest level of health which then leads to health disparities, right? So if we have health equity and then we have health disparities, what are they? Well, the CDC says that they're preventable, and that's the key word, preventable differences in the burden of disease, injury, violence, and opportunities to achieve the optimal health. Um, It's often experienced by marginalized communities or groups that um, have disadvantages in social or economic status, geographic location, and environment. So some examples of health disparities, what does that look like? Access to health care for community members with limited English proficiency, that's a disparity. Higher burdens of health conditions like diabetes, hypertension, obesity, asthma, uh, maternal and infant mortality rates on specific populations. Those are examples of health disparities. So what contributes to them? You were discussing the social determinants of health. And those are things like social identities, community context of an individual, which includes discrimination and racism. And if someone can access the use of care, if someone, um, where someone lives, where someone studies, where they, what their income is, where they work, all of those are social determinants of health that then impact someone's health outcomes. Um, And so I want to go into what can we actually do to address it, right? Um. One, I would say, engage the community. That's the first thing, like you're doing here. You're engaging the community. You're getting the community together. We need to work as a community because no one can do it alone. And we need to, what I say is end the savior complex. Like the community knows what the community needs. We can't go into a community and tell them what they need. And it's time for the community to have the reins and us to be there to support them. They are the expert in their lives. They are the experts in their experience. Um, and we just need to come together to create interventions and resources that address those social determinants of health. Um, and I also like to say that diversity is key. Diversity is at the table means diversity of thought, diversity of conversation, diversity of innovation. If everyone at the table is part of the same community, then the conversation can only reach a certain amount of breadth or depth, right? We have to bring diverse community members to the table to ensure that we get a full picture of what's actually happening and different ideas to address it, or else we're going to still hear the same thing every single time, right? Understanding that health is political. Um, Unfortunately, we live in a society where our health outcomes can be determined by our access, so the quality of care, which it's dependent on our occupation or our income, which can be correlated with our access to community resources and quality education, which is impacted by the dollars that are raised, whether that be through taxes or community efforts. And even if you have top tier of all of those things, you can still be denied care or receive subpar care due to bias, discrimination, and racism. Our health outcomes are political and we need to remember that. And it's important that we exert our civic muscle and um, however that looks to you, like 
for me, it's activism, it's voting, it's engaging the community, it's doing the job that I do. That's how I exert my civil, civic mus- muscle. However that looks for you, do it. And I also like to say that um, for healthcare workers, you need to take your emotions out of the equation when it comes to understanding your own biases. There is no room at the table for your emotions when it comes to understanding your bias. You need to do the work, you need to educate yourself, and it's not a group or a community's goal or anything to educate you. Google is free. I like to say that Google is free and you need to educate yourself because if not, you're doing a lot more harm than good and you're not actually following your oath. Um, So, and then the last thing is improving the individual and community health literacy. So that's really important. When you know what you're talking about and you feel empowered, you're more willing to ask questions. So one thing that I've always seen and I always advocate for is remember that Yes, a doctor or a nurse or whoever it is, they are an expert in medicine, but you are an expert in your body. So it is a collaborative effort for you to come together and do a solution. They can't give you a solution that you can't actually do if because of whatever that, you know, circumstances are, then neither of you is happy because nothing's getting done, right? So <laughs> you need to be literate in health. You need to be literate in numeracy. And that comes with the community coming together and saying, let's just educate ourselves on this. And just like you're doing with your Lunch and Learn series, you're doing with this podcast, that's so important to empower the community to have autonomy over their own body and their own experiences in health. Absolutely. That was really good, Amanda. And, you know, me having, um, being diagnosed with um, inflammatory bowel disease uh, four years ago, I didn't know anything about this, but what I did, I educated myself. Like I went and I, you know, I researched and I read and I read. And although I had, I went through five different doctors, I still educated myself and said, hey, you know, this isn't right. Or I spoke up when most people wouldn't like, or I asked questions, hey, why am I getting this? You know, or shouldn't I be getting this? You know, and so, and sometimes like you said, with the healthcare, the frontline, the healthcare workers, they, some of them have never heard of it. Some of them have never had to treat a patient with Crohn's disease or, you know, ulcerative colitis or IBS for that matter, you know? And so it is so important that we all, we, it's all, it's just not just one person. We all, like you said, it's a collaborative effort. So a scene. Well, I thank you, and and I I guess the for me um, it's to reiterate the fact that we may we may be well served in asking where does this all begin, right? And in a way, f- for me, I would say that um, we really need to just remember that uh, fundamentally, health is really a human right. Uh, there are many people who debate that, but I, for one, can attest that. Most physicians and people in healthcare do believe that with, with all the goodness in their heart. And um, to the extent that health is a human right and not necessarily a commodity, we can try in our conversations individually as a nation, as a community, to further that concept. And why is that important to health equity? Because equity is about justice and fairness, and it is inclusive of equality, but certainly has to go beyond. We need to provide those supports that individuals need and communities need. They all don't come from the same level playing field. We know that for various reasons. And we also need to understand that um, the dignity of every human being, regardless of their social identity, 
is to be respected. And that translates into how they're going to manage or prevent disease. And so at the end of the day, we need to think about individual lifestyle issues, of course, and risk factors, but we need to also think about those social determinants of health that you alluded to. Awesome. Great answer. So I know you talked about some of the innovative approaches or initiatives that have successfully improved health equity. How can we replicate or scale up these efforts? So the question is, what are some innovative approaches or initiatives that have successfully improved health equity in underserved populations? Yeah, if I may, Amanda, maybe take a shot at that. Um, So I think it's important to uh, think of the answer to this specific very beautiful and complex question about innovative approaches and how can we scale up to kind of remember that health equity is really now, fortunately, for the many years, but recent past, has become a really primary focus of our federal government uh, and many, many states, as well as communities. And that is because after the Affordable Care Act was passed in 2010, now almost 13, 14 years ago, we know that for transforming our healthcare system, along with other, you know, laudable goals like improving the population's health or decreasing costs or improving the quality of care or even caring about our providers, our, uh, especially with having had COVID, uh, you know, for the last two years, you see the health strain on the health system. The fifth aim, we're called the quintuple aim. Is, is really about health equity. And that is to make sure that health equity is injected in everything that we do, especially the way we deliver care. And a lot of that is fundamentally about improving access and quality of coverage, whether it's through insurance or um, our partnerships. And so to that end, we need to think about where does health and health equity really work? Where, where are those locations in our world, if you will, And I would suggest that there's four locations and that will determine what we can do in terms of the approaches. So number one is our individual life and our family. Second is our neighborhoods and our communities. Third is public health in general. And fourth is where we go to get care, healthcare delivery. And in each of these areas, we have opportunities to innovate and to successfully inject health equity uh, to especially underserved populations. And one of the great organizations that I would recommend to you and the, and the listeners out there is something called the Center for American Progress or CAP. Um, they are a great organization, nonpartisan, and, and they have chalked out like major priority areas for us to focus on, uh, as we think about health equity. And they not to list all the 10, but certainly to think about, you know, as a country, we need to uh, focus on the opioid epidemic or work on climate change or reduce poverty or improve education access and and certainly housing and things uh, related to our uh, social connections and and address uh, racial equity, inequities, and of course, loneliness. And so there are all these priorities where they think health equity has a major part to play. And so uh, there are lots of uh, things, exciting things going on all around the country, uh, especially in communities. And so we have examples of where effective partnerships um, have really uh, played out. Um, And so 
to, you know, we can talk about uh, individual communities. For example, uh, there's uh, places in uh, Missouri uh, at the Clay County Public Health Center that established a diversity advisory council on health equity. And that's where members of the community were able to actually engage public health and talk about the ways in which policy could uh, address people who were underserved. Or in Richmond, Virginia, um, the partners uh, between uh, the community health resource centers and several high-risk housing communities got together and started working on uh, partnering in medical clinics. Um, there are places in Texas, uh, for example, the Harris County Public Health uh, folks developed a strategic plan to make sure that uh, health equity was a major priority. And, you know, we can talk about Central Florida. Uh, I happen to be in Central Florida and many places in Florida, uh, but we had uh, we had and have a something called the Community Health Needs Assessment, where partners across the uh, sector, individual community-based organizations, uh, healthcare systems, public health, individual citizens can all get together and sort of prioritize uh, what health looks like. And health equity is a major part of all of that. So these are things that are being done around the country. We can talk about more examples, but in a short amount of time, the idea is that strong partnerships, uh, visionary leadership, and obviously uh, ways in which we can effectively mobilize funding and political will are all the secret, secret ingredients in the sauce. I'm so glad that Asim took this question. A lot of information on that and really good stuff. But, you know, in terms of like innovative approaches, um, I really like what we do with our health equity train the trainer program, giving every student or learner the opportunity to create their own projects. And I equate it to a passion project because everybody has something that has called them to their work. And I think that oftentimes our work can get in the way of the, what we really wanted to do and what we're passionate about. And so it's really beautiful to see all of these people that are in health decide this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to talk about. If I had a, a wand and I can make everything happen, this is a realistic plan to change this or do that. Um, and it's really cool on this side to see there are lots of people that want to do the same thing. So it's like, if we all just came together and had our voice and like, even with, you know, the health equity program, we have the micro grants that just out now for our graduates and being able to award those and see the good work that's coming out of this program being in existence is just chilling. It's amazing. When we talk about, you know, Asim talked about, you know, the innovative, you know, the program, the um, health equity trainer trainer program. And, you know, one of the things that I learned this year, we, you know, as, as you know, Amanda, we launched our very first Let's Talk IBD Health and Wellness Symposium in March. And that was just like bringing awareness to, you know, our foundation. However, Next year, our focus is access. And that's one of the things that I noticed, like a lot of IBD patients who, you know, reach out to me or who haven't been properly diagnosed, you know, but they're suffering in silence. They don't know where to go. They don't have, you know, they don't have the access. They don't know what to do. They don't know the questions to ask when they go and see the GI doctor. And so um, our goal, like for 2024 is access. And so we're super excited because Dr. Navanethan at Orlando Health is going to be our um, 
our keynote speaker for the symposium. And our goal is to really, you know, have resources in the building. Now we have, you know, we had some resources in the building this time, but this next year we really are, we're, you know, we're, we're tired of seeing the numbers. We have the numbers, right? We keep seeing the community needs assessment. I see them. I see the numbers, but what are we going to do about those numbers? How are we going to impact, you know, make a difference in these underserved populations? And so my goal is to really like, because I am passionate and I'm glad that I took the train a trainer um, program, um, the cohort, because that was so, when we talk about innovation, that was so good because it helps you look at it from health equity and the health disparities from a different lens. You know, um, we sometimes, you know, we're going about our day, but there may be somebody that's going through something due to maybe there's a language barrier, right? Maybe they don't understand what the doctor just said because they don't understand the language. You know, a lot of times my doctor will rattle off acronyms and I would have to go and look them up and I would ask questions. Okay, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? You know, one doctor asked me, do you want to take Lielda or Humera? And I'm like, well, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And so, again, our goal is to give them access, but not only the access, our goal is to really educate the community because through our Lunch and Learn series so that they do understand, okay, like you said, we define what the health disparity is. We define what health equity is. And our goal is to really bridge the gap between the patient and the providers and help them understand, hey, this is what a, this is a disparity. This is what we're, you're going through. Okay. Ask these questions, you know, or have someone there that can ask the questions on your behalf if you are afraid to. And so I'm super excited. Um, that you all attended today and just came on and just poured out some information. So tell us about the program and how, you know, healthcare organizations can sign up for the program. Asim and Amanda, like, where do they go? How do they reach out to you all if they want to sign up for the health equity train the trainer cohort? Yeah, thank you so much. So we are offering two cohorts at a minimum every month um, through the end of 2024. Uh, So there's lots of opportunities for people to get involved. If you go to our website, which is healthequityprogram.org, again, that's health equityprogram.org. You can learn a little bit more about the program itself, and then you can go to the registration tab. And depending on where you live in the state of Florida, the county, you sign up for the program with that organization. So naturally, since Moffitt is on the West Coast of Florida, we have the West Coast counties. And since Orlando Health is in Central Florida, they have the Central counties. If And United Way of Broward County is in the South, so they have the Southern counties. If you live in the North of Florida, go with wherever you're most comfortable. Come to Moffitt. We, you know, we like people. Uh, Ira likes people. But come to Boston if you would like. Um, but yeah, you can go to there and it has a bunch of different dates. We offer different times. We offer an evening one from 4 to 6.30, an afternoon from 12.30 to 3, and occasionally some morning ones, 9.30 to 11. Asim, you have any other closing remarks? Oh, no. I was just going to say thank you uh, for uh, you know, engaging us and, and to the listeners, uh, there are just so many things to do, but I would leave everyone with little sort of three tidbits, uh, for how they can uh, really ensure that, 
you know, equitable health care is achieved. One is, like you said, um, it starts with self-education uh, to make sure that you speak up and uh, just re- remain empathic towards even the people who are taking care of you because that will be reciprocated. It's really a relationship of love that we expect from healthcare workers towards their uh, patients. If you're a healthcare worker listening to this, I would say treat your patients uh, like you would your family and friends, and that will uh, go a long way. And then finally, to speak to what Amanda said earlier, um, we're all citizens of the of the United States uh, in some way or another, even if you don't have official citizenship, we live here, right? And so just the fact that we're living here means that we have certain obvious rights under law and the constitution, but that means also we have obligations to be good citizens. And really what that means is get involved, get involved with your communities, those groups like you are uh, representing IBD folks out there and learn how to influence leaders. So those are all the things that I would leave uh, your viewership with. This is awesome. This is awesome. Amanda, do you have anything you want to leave with before we close out? Thank you so much for doing this. And I just want to uh, say, you know, never be afraid to ask questions and never be afraid to ask for resources. There are so many resources out there, but we like some people don't know to give them to you. And sometimes we don't know to ask. So if you need anything, just ask, just ask, 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 because the worst someone can say is no. And the best they could say is something that could change your life. Absolutely. Well, this is this is going to conclude our episode. And we want to thank Asim and Amanda for coming on to just talk about the importance of health equity, how we can implement health equity in our communities and just further, you know, further this movement. We also, um, hey, sign up for the program again. Um, Amanda gave the uh, website And I mean, there's plenty of dates there. You have until 2024, December, right? December of 2024 to sign up and then tell your friends, tell your healthcare friends about it um, or your healthcare organization and um, come on in and, and just take the course. We took the course and it was so amazing. When I tell you, I've learned so much by taking this cohort. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, even though we were planning our symposium, I still made sure that because it was such good information. I promise you it's not boring webinar uh, information. It is really good, impactful information that you can take and apply when you are going to the doctor or if you have a loved one that's going to the doctor. And so I just want to thank you both for tuning in today and joining us. And until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Health and Healing from the Inside Out podcast, an online health and wellness podcast where I, your host, Stephanie A. Wynn, will provide weekly wellness tips about inflammatory bowel disease, specifically Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Be sure to select the subscribe button and let's start the health and healing process from the inside out. Out.